0: the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Lord, make us ready to pray with all thanksgiving. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, O one in Christ Jesus, our Lord, for thine is the kingdom of power and glory forever and ever. <laughs> Sorry, I made, I'm being made fun of because... I uh, one of the monks in Egypt always says trespass, and I started saying it, and so everyone's making fun of my new accent. Because um, <laughs> I'm, apparently I'm half British. Um, okay, so I'm going to pull up my notes. So thank you guys for turning on your cameras. It's very helpful. And I found a way to make sure that you're not all on display, like I said, online. Um... So, um, the topic I wanted to, um, talk about, John Barquet, are you Peter's brother? Okay, sorry, my bad guys. Okay, um, the topic that I wanted to, to talk about, uh, today, um, is constancy. Um, and the reason why I wanted to, to bring it up, um it's because there's a lot of people discussing things right now like, um, oh, what will Corona what, what will life be like post Corona or post COVID? Um, or uh, other priests are talking to people saying, "Oh, I'm throwing in the towel, this is ridiculous. Um, uh, and, and, and that kind of, of response. And I find that strange, and I, I don't mean that in, in a negative or derogatory way but it indicates that there's something about the relationship maybe that needs to be discussed. So the idea of constancy um, is just that. It's about staying at something, um, remaining in something. In Arabic, it's I think the closest meaning spiritually that I'm getting at is il Um, And so the underlying concepts, and I'm going to use the Desert Fathers just to, 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 to tease out some of these things, Um, is that in a normal relationship, and these are like the just framing questions, do you constantly assess, like if you're in a normal friendship, marriage, sonship, fatherhood, whatever relationship that you're in, right, sisterhood, do you sit, do you literally every single time something happens, assess the whole relationship, right? Like, let's say you didn't like dinner do you assess whether the relationship is intact right if you didn't like um someone's reaction to you do you be like oh my goodness we need to revisit this whole entire relationship um because m- most of the times we don't do that at every single provocation there may be specific times where something happens that triggers us to do that um but the normal is not that every single individual moment that we need to completely revisit the whole universe, okay? Um, In a normal relationship, I don't think, we talked about this in more detail last week, most people don't set markers and benchmarks, right? Like we don't sit there and be like, okay, by age four, my child better be attached to me specifically by age 10 they better have said these expressions to me and expressed these emotions towards me by month 7 of our engagement my fiance better have insert whatever we don't do that right we just we just do the relationship right and in a normal relationship i hope <laughs> We don't also constantly give feedback surveys on every encounter that we have, right? So we're not going to, like, have a, some kind of conversation to ask, um. so how would you rate dinner last night? How would you rate the conversation? Would you have that conversation again? Or would you tweak it? Or would you change it? Right? You're not going to constantly um, do that. Right, like I I, 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 I hope. Um, if you are, then you're inviting judgment perpetually, right? And you're not just living, you're 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 doing something else, okay? So constancy is about remaining steadfast, okay? It's about remaining faithful. So constancy, we don't really question constancy so much when things are going well, right? People don't tend to get worked up when things are going fine. People tend to get worked up when things are are not going fine. So, But constancy means being able to go through a problem together, right? Would your relationship with a spouse need to end if one of the spouses went bankrupt? Or do you go through bankruptcy together, right? Does, does the marriage end if somebody gets a debilitating disease? Maybe it's MS. Maybe it's severe depression. Maybe it's Alzheimer's, right? Maybe it's paralysis. Maybe it's Crohn's. Do we say, oh, I need to reevaluate whether I can in this relationship because you have this issue now, right? If that's... If that's our reaction to, together, then I think most people would be like, "Well, what kind of relationship is that, right?" Where, where, especially when, when in the West, people are really dramatic with their their wedding vows, right? For better, for worse, through thick and through thin, through storm and whatever, right? And it's like, "Oh, but I wasn't counting on you getting paralyzed. This changes everything." Um, and so, if if it does, and it might for some people it does question the integrity of your relationship, right? That if your relationship is dependent upon particular characteristics of the other person, then it's not a freely loving relationship. It's a limited loving relationship. Um, Same thing with the loss of job, death in the family, right? If those things affect the relationship, then constancy is an issue because part of constancy is saying, "I remain with you, even when things don't go my way." In the same way, that we remain with one another when things go well, right? Just like there might be negatives that we go through together, like bankruptcy or whatever, there can be nice things: births, de- birth, not deaths, birth promotions, um, successes, graduations first teeth, like all of these random events um, are all positives that we're together with. Um, And constancy teaches us how to respond to one another. I'm speaking generally now and then I'm going to talk about God, right? But constancy teaches us how, how to respond to each other. That the more that I'm with somebody by simply remaining, by not walking away, We learn about each other, right? It's like, oh, this person, when they're flustered, reacts like this. This person, when they're, when they feel attacked, they react like this. This person, when they're hungry or haven't slept, react like this, right? This person, when they're excited, talks really fast. This person, when they're so happy, says yes to everything. Um, Like, there's, there's things that you learn about the communication by simply remaining. By nothing more than being constant, you end up learning about each other, right? It helps you find out characteristics of the other person, and it also helps you learn characteristics about yourself, right? Both of these things start to happen when you remain by simply being, okay? And in a very important way... Constancy provides context. It gives you a context of trust, right? Because how do you learn to trust somebody when you're constantly walking away from one another, right? The only way to learn trust is to be in a relationship where where it's allowed to be tested, right? Like the disciples, if they walked away and jumped out of the boat the minute that the storm hit. Right, like, no, 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 we're not handling this. They wouldn't have had an opportunity if they didn't remain on the boat. I mean, they were kind of stuck. It was a boat after all. Um, but that they got to see something that God could do by simply remaining. Right. So it's not just about how you react to the situation. Right. Constancy is not just about what did you say, do, think, feel. It's about simply just being there, not walking away. Um, it gives you the context of knowledge. By being with somebody, you find out things, right? You, you become, you, you get to know things, not just the other person. You get to know many things by simply being, right? The context gives you the ability to get experience. If you don't remain together, you don't acquire experience with whoever it is. Right, Whatever it is that you're going to be talking about, if you don't remain with them, it becomes secondhand knowledge or third-hand knowledge or external knowledge or distant knowledge. But it doesn't become real knowledge or experienced knowledge. It's just theoretical knowledge. Um, and finally, it gives you the context of love. If you're not with one another, there's no way to give to one another, to sacrifice for one another. It has to be in a context where you are there. Um so, I wanted to talk a little bit about what that means religiously, um, because I think one of the things that is the main source of people's spiritual suffering or lack of spiritual growth is actually their lack of constancy, right? It's about the emotionalism. And our generation um, is very prone to emotionalism. We're very quick, like my, my generation, on to like, I don't like how this makes me feel I'm leaving. Right, I don't like what you made me feel about myself. I don't like you. Um, I don't like how uncomfortable this is uh, putting me. I feel like I'm, I'm on edge. I'm leaving, and so we already have that as a kind of phenomenon in our generation, and it makes spirituality a lot more problematic um, because we're feeding that emotionalism cycle and we're not remaining constant, right? And that we also. Love immediate gratification. And constancy is the exact opposite of instant gratification, right? Constancy is saying, just stay put. Regardless of how you feel, regardless of what you think, just stay put. Um, I think my parents' generation and older were really good at it. They would just, they would just stick through their marriages, for example. Um, and, and, and a lot of good came from that. Whereas we're very quick to be like, throw in the towel. So I want to direct it now more towards God, okay, um, just there's like maybe four um, tips and each one of them has like a, a short desert father story um, and then um, opening it up to question. So number one to help you with your constancy is remember the nature of the meaning that we're thinking about the meaning of relationship, okay. So. This is a story that almost all of you have probably heard, but it was usually used, I think, for a different purpose, okay? So this is a story of Abu Agathun, Agathun okay? Um, on one occasion, certain brothers went to Abu Rafun because they had heard um, that he took the greatest possible care that his mind should not be disturbed by anything. And that's what I'm talking about constancy, right? Just not being unsettled, just staying put. And they sought to try him. They wanted to test out if he really was unmovable. And to see if his mind would rise to any matter. And they said to him, Are you indeed Agathon? We have heard that you are a whoremonger and a boastful man, (laughs) which is not very nice monastically. And Agathon said unto them, Yeah, I am. And again they said to him, Agathon, you are garrulous and talkative old man. You just, you talk nonstop and you're quarrelsome. And he said, Indeed, I am. And again they said to him, Agathon, you are a heretic. And he said to them, I am not a heretic. Then they said to him, okay, tell us why in answer to all these things that we said to you, you replied, yeah. And then you endured all of those with the exception of the accusation of being a heretic. And Abba Agathon said to them, the early things I counted as profitable to my soul. But heresy means separation from God. And I don't want to be separated from God. And when the brothers heard these words, they marveled at his solicitude and went away rejoicing. Okay, so what is the point of this when I'm talking about constancy? It's to say, here's somebody who's saying, I'm not really worked up by what you want to say about me. I'm not really worked up by all of these things that you think are a big deal. I'm worked up about heresy specifically because of what it means. That's what I'm saying. Think about the meaning of the relationship. Of saying, by saying that I'm a heretic, you're saying that I actually am not faithful to this person that I love. You are challenging the integrity of the actual meaning of my relationship to that person. If you want to accuse me of bad habits, if you want to accuse me of personality flaws, If you want to accuse me of all these things, no problem. They're probably true on some level. I probably talk too much. I'm probably arrogant. I'm probably prideful. But I am not calling this person names and I have a real relationship. Right? It's about the actions that have meanings. Right? So, for example, family dinner. Let's say that as a couple, it's very important to have dinner together. Constancy would say, is the meaning, that's what I'm talking about. Meaning, is the meaning in the dinner itself, is it the is it the eating that has meaning? Or is it is there something deeper? Because let's say one of the members of the of the relationship is forced to go away for a conference for two or three months. And now they don't, you can't have dinner together. Is the relationship now having less meaning? because you're not having dinner in the flesh at the same time together no the meaning is not the the eating there is definitely meaning to having a family dinner but the meaning is not in the eating right it's not it's not in it's not in the food right and so meaning has to be questioned in constancy of saying don't get caught up about the activities the, the moods, the accusations, and instead say, what is the meaning that is at stake here, right? But, but for Agathon, he was like, no, don't call me unfaithful, I'm faithful. I might I might be a crappy individual, I might be a horrible individual, but I'm faithful, right? And so the meaning is what's important. Number two, preserve your mind. And I'll, and I'll get to what that means in a second. So here's a story. On one occasion, certain philosophers, so these are not monks, these are not, um, they're possibly not even Christians, okay? They're most likely Greek philosophers in this context. Um, and they're coming to Egypt to challenge the monks because they've heard about the monks. And a lot of Greek philosophers lived very ascetically, um, So they were coming to be like, we do what you do. So what's the big deal about you guys? So on one occasion, certain philosophers came to the desert to try to test the monks. And there was living there a man who led a life of fair works, and they said to him, come here, right, they're ordering this guy around. And his anger rose up and reviled them, where he's like, I don't have to listen to you, right? So monk number one's like, who do you think you are? I'm not listening to you, peace out, okay? So he leaves. But then they passed by a certain great monk who is a Libyan, and they said to him, O oh, you monk who has grown gray-headed in iniquity, okay you man who's become old um, in sin, come here, and he readily and happily went to them, and they slapped him on the face, whereupon, after being slapped, he turned the other cheek to them, and when they saw this, they rose up straightway and worshipped him, and they said worship meaning they they, they showed him um, reverence, which was a common thing back in the day um, what and they sorry uh they worship and they said to him truly this is a monk then they set him in the midst and asked him saying what things do you do living the desert more than what we do you fast and we fast you live a pure life we live a pure life whatever it is that you're doing we also do what do you who live in the desert Do more than we. And the monk said to them, We keep watch over our minds. And the philosopher said to him, We are unable to keep watch over our minds. So what does that have to do with constancy? Right? So the point here is that you need to, if you want to remain in a relationship, right? If you want to just remain constant, you have to ask. How does your mind operate? How are you analyzing things? What is your, your, your place of reference? What is going through your mind when you evaluate things that happen? Are you understanding things right? And that's, that, that's something I think we don't do that really affects our constancy, right? So for example, like from the things we talked about earlier, If I don't have a right frame of reference, if I don't analyze right, if I don't have a watch over my mind, then I might say, well, the situation is different now. Now I should leave because I expected this from the relationship. But somebody who has a watch over their mind will step back and say, why do I expect that from the relationship? Is that a right expectation? Is it owed to me? Is it supposed to be voluntary? Right? So, for example... I got in a in a. Um, I had a period of strife with somebody very close to me, right, very 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 close to me, um, and part of what um, had a, had had bothered me was that the context of our friendship um, was our commonality in Christ, okay, and so when this person was actively pursuing something that I saw to be very wrong, something that was very dangerous to himself, not just as a, I'm sad that you're doing something that I disagree with, but I'm like, no, like, you're you're doing something so harmful. I started getting aggressive, and it took me a long time, again, to, to come to my mind, to come to my mind and say, wait a minute, I don't have the right to demand this person to conduct himself the way that I think he should. Even if he agrees with me, I have no right to force him to do right. Right that it it changes the perspective. Where I'm like I was ready to walk away by saying you're harming yourself, you've thrown away our commonality, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, when at the same time, if I were to be honest, the person doesn't owe me this. Right, and so it's the it's the it's the thinking about things in the right way that can affect your constancy because if you think about something in a wrong way and by wrong and right, I'm talking about the gospel here, right? But if I'm thinking about it in in the wrong way, then I can reach wrong conclusions. And once I start implementing what my conclusions say, I've affected the relationship, right? So for example, if I say, um, you know what, COVID has, um, COVID has made us not be able to communicate. Right? If I'm in a long distance relationship with like my fiance, for example. So since we can't um communicate, well, well, it was good while it lasted. It was nice knowing you. It could have been something. Right? Where it's like, um does not being able to communicate in person in the flesh mean that the relationship is over? Right? That's a question of constancy. And the question of why does it mean it's over is a question of the mind. What is your lens of interpretation, right? So that that's where I'm, I'm getting at with, with this kind of thing. Um, number three, kind of what we touched about number one, don't put meaning in objects even if objects have meaning. Okay, so I'll use a story and we'll come back to that. On one occasion, thieves came to the cell of an old man and said to him, We have come to take, take away everything which you have in your cell. And he said to them, My sons, this is, this is the, the, the Abba, right? And these are the thieves he's calling his kids. And he's like, he's an old man, he sees everyone as his kids. He's like, My kids, take whatever you want. And they took everything they saw in his cell and departed. Keep in mind this is an old monk in a cell he probably has like four things in it um now they forgot to take a wallet which was hanging there and the old man took it and ran after them begging them saying my sons um come back take this wallet because you forgot it in my cell (laughs) and when the thieves saw this they marveled at the good disposition of the old man And they gave back everything which they had taken from his cell, and they repented and said to each other, truly this man is a man of God. Okay? The reason I'm using this, even though we talked about meaning earlier, is because I want to zoom in on objects. Okay? Because we are sensual people, right? We're used to dealing with the five senses, and so we put a lot of value in things that we can handle, see, touch, taste, talk about, etc. So... Here's a monk who has almost nothing. And the reason I'm using this example is because it's not to talk about um, materialism so much, as much as to say the monk could have reacted and said, Oh no, how will I pray? Because one of his few objects is probably a lamp. right? One of his few objects is probably a book. Right? And so he could have said, How am I supposed to pray? He took my stuff. How am I going to continue this relationship, Lord? Or he could also have said, God, if you cared about this relationship, how could you have let somebody take my stuff? This stuff that I need to interact with you. How dare you? How dare you? I, maybe you're not as faithful to this relationship as I am right? This is something that he that he could have said. Um, but he didn't. He was constant, and he understood that the relationship is intact. The relationship is not an object, right? The relationship is, is a link between two living beings, right? And so that whether he had his stuff or didn't have his stuff, he's in a relationship. So, do objects have meaning? Yes, they can. They can have meaning. It's just that the relationship is not the object. Objects take on meaning, what we talked about at the very beginning, in the context of relationship. Right? And so, for example, let's say a couple got in a humongous fight, and so the husband... And they were fighting about the wife wanting something. And the husband goes and buys it for her um, hoping to end the, the the fight with it after whatever. Suddenly this object has more meaning because of where it came from right maybe maybe it was a Tim Horton's mug or maybe it was just a, 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 a Tim Horton's card and maybe maybe the spouse will keep the expired Tim Horton's card that has no money value anymore. sorry that's that's our Starbucks in Canada um, and suddenly. This empty card that has no value has meaning because of the context in which it came from. Right? But the card itself doesn't have a meaning. Right? And the relationship itself isn't the coffee. The relationship itself isn't about whether or not the guy ended up getting her coffee or not. Because maybe he, in in another situation, doesn't end up buying it for her. That doesn't mean the relationship is over. Right? And so that one's a particular thing because a lot of people are saying, oh, well, I don't know what the point of this relationship is in COVID with God and church because here we are in our houses and here we are not being able to do X, Y, and Z. And that's why in my mind, I'm like, why does that make a difference? I'm not undermining Eucharist here. But if you believe in the relationship and you're constant in the relationship, the relationship wasn't the building, right? The relationship was the relationship. And so we objects are helpful for us to use. Buildings are helpful for us to use, no doubt. I have no um, um, argument against that. But just simply saying, where do you put the meaning of things? Objects have meaning, but they are not the meaning. They are not the relationship itself. The fourth thing is challenge yourself what your questions mean about your understanding in a relationship. Okay? This one I don't have a story for. So if you ask how something is going to affect a relationship in terms of existence, where where you're like, oh my goodness, we moved. How did that affect the relationship? Oh my gosh, you got fired how does this affect the relationship? Oh no, there's COVID. How do, like, these are the questions that I'm talking about where something happens that triggers you to ask about the relationship. Now with those questions, ask what the questions show about your understanding. I'm not trying to be too philosophical here, but, but I don't know how to, to say it otherwise. Um, You either believe that you're in a relationship or you don't. And your relationship itself, if it's a real relationship, is permanent. Whether you like it or not. Right? So, for example, I am somebody's son. No matter what I do, I will always remain those people's sons. Period. There is nothing I can do about it. I can't say, oh, now that I don't live with my parents, what does that mean about me being their kid? I'm still their kid, right? I can change my name. I'm still their kid. A spouse is always going to have a relationship to the other spouse, even if you divorce, God forbid. Because even if you divorce, you become the ex spouse of that person. You're still in relationship to that person, whether you like it or not. Something permanent has happened, right? And so there's no undoing that. If you're in relationship, you're in relationship. And so the questions that we ask show whether or not we understand that or not. If I think that the relationship is suddenly not the relationship because of COVID, so if I'm not able to participate in Eucharist, which we should, there's a problem. There is a problem that we're not having Eucharist. I'm not trying to undermine that, right? But if I'm not able to do that, does it mean I'm not in relationship? Right, so when people are saying things like, oh, I guess this never mattered anyway, because I'm not having it and I'm just fine, some people are saying, then I'm saying, then you don't get it. Because it's not about the event. It's like asking, oh my goodness, if I'm not at the birthday party every year, are we no longer friends? OMG, right? Or if, God forbid, somebody didn't celebrate their anniversary, are they no longer married? (laughs) Right? So it's what you use to challenge the relationship reflects what you think about the relationship. Because if you think it can easily end because of some random event, even if it's a horrible event, even if it's a it's a, an intrinsically evil event, the relationship remains. It's a question of constancy. Okay. Um, so if you say COVID happened I need to break up, something's off, right? It means that you think the relationship is only physical. That's what it means. That's what I'm saying. I was challenging in number one, the meaning of the relationship. And number two, how you think about a relationship. Number three, the meaning of objects. And number four, the meaning of events, right? Is that everything is about meaning. And what does that have to do with that? So... I just want to give you guys some examples, um, and then open it up to um, questions, because I like stories. Um, just about e- examples of constancy, just so that there's an image to go with it, that it's not just theory. Okay? So, um, I know a monk who will remain nameless because he's still alive. It's um, not a hermit. Okay? Not... Um, doing some super mumbo-jumbo, like, thing in his, or whatever. And and whenever anyone uses the word constancy or iltizam in Arabic, my mind is immediately equating it with this person that I've met. Because he's been a monk now, I think, since 1985, so 35 years, okay? And... With the exception of only when he was severely ill. He has not missed a single vigil, midnight praise. A single Vespers. I've been going to the monastery for 20 years now. And I know that if I need to talk to a Buena so-and-so, just go to church. Because he's always there. Right? Every single praise, every single matins, every single day liturgy. That's his thing, and it's not that that it's not even required that he be at liturgy every day. But that's his thing, constancy. And so he's memorized everything, absolutely everything, right? Um, he does um, the fitir medek; it's a special bread made for the feast of the archangel, archangel Michael. That's monthly, without exception, every single month, and without exception, every single month, he listens to recordings of stories about Archangel Michael and his miracles while he does it. And he plays um, doxologies in his cell regularly. So he has memorized every single doxology, even the most random doxologies that you've never heard of, um, where any random feast that happens like once a year, he's on it, he knows it, right? And then when youth are asking questions, which they do a lot because he prays regularly in the cave and every single day he would walk up out of the cave or to St. the Simples. Again, this is about about his his constancy. And so when people would ask him questions, he has content. Why? Because he's constant. Right? When there is not enough acolytes or deacons or whatever to serve, no problem. He knows it. Cause he's there. When people ask him certain things, he he has, oh well here's a story I heard about the archangel. Here's a story he also does the lives of the saints. Here's a story that I with the saints. It's it's changed him. And this same monk I saw do a miracle. And I'm not trying to make this about miracles. But what I'm trying to say is that it affected his relationship with the Holy Spirit. Right? Somebody in front of my eyes had a, 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 a humongous nosebleed and blood was gushing. And with just a word, he made a stop. His constancy is itself a virtue. Right? he's not somebody who's like oh I do 700,000 prostrations every day and um, he's not and 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 I I recite this many Psalms I mean I'm sure he does Psalms what I mean is that he's faithful he remains constant in what he does and it's changed him right look at Saint um, Athanasius who we talked about a few weeks back on the Thursday night if Athanasius did not remain constant constant. Literally, one man remained constant. In the face of trials, false accusations, five exiles, emperors after emperor telling him off, threatening his death, going into hiding, he could have at any moment said, this isn't worth it. It'll be so much easier for me to know the truth, I know what's true, this is my truth, quote-unquote, or whatever random stuff we make up today, he could have said any of the above, and just locked himself up in his room and said, "But this, if the people don't like me, let them have whoever they want. If the people want this to be their motto, let it be. If they want this new patriarch, let it be. He could have done all of the above. His constancy saved Christianity literally his constancy saved christianity right that the grace of god through his constancy did that we would we would all today be arians if it wasn't for one man's constancy joseph from the old testament okay joseph sorry i don't really like him i don't like his childhood he was nice as an adult i don't like him as a kid um, so whatever his his stupidity got him thrown in a well and then sold off into slavery wasn't very nice of his brothers He wasn't very cool himself. No problem, but he could have <laughs> After landing in Egypt a foreign country Against his will a language. He doesn't speak People who think that he's disgusting Right, they didn't like canaanites. They wanted them literally to be in their own section of the land to not have to deal with them for doing the right thing he got monumentally owned. His boss's wife tried to sleep with him. He said no. And he got thrown in prison for it. That sucks. Right? Like, like that's that's a really crummy story. Right? And he was just like, whatever, stuff happens. Right? And so he remained constant even in jail. Right? Within jail, he's like, okay, how do I make the most of being in jail? Because he wasn't questioning the integrity of his relationship with God, even when he was imperfect, even when the situations around him were horrible. And if he did not remain constant, he wouldn't end up saving the whole nation of Israel. He did. His constancy saved the nation of Israel. It led them from famine to find a home in Egypt, which literally saved them right? That, that's what I mean. I'm trying to show you how constancy is not just about being nice or cool or whatever. It's saying that, yeah, sometimes situations are horrible. But if you don't remain, you lose that context. The context is gone when you walk away. There's no opportunity for growth. There's no opportunity for understanding. There's no opportunity for development. There's no opportunity for experience because you left it. You got rid of the context, right? Saint Anthony. Saint Anthony is, f- is famous for a lot of things because he is the best saint in the world. One of his famous sayings is, um, when you find a place, do not easily leave it. Because once you start jumping, you lose. You, you don't get the experience. It's gone, right? If Saint Anthony did not remain constant, in a single room for 20 years straight, not seeing this, the face of a human being. That's not for everybody, okay? But if he wasn't constant in his monastic devotion, his particular kind of relationship, he wouldn't have become the guru that he became, right? If you look at the life of Antony, he walks out of that cell and gives one of the most profound sermons on spiritual warfare in the history of humanity. That only came out of constancy. Because if the first fight with the devil happened, and he's like, peace out, didn't sign up for this, right? What kind of God are you if the devil is able to do this to me? Right? How dare you leave me alone, and I am so sad, and I am so full of melancholy, and the world sucks, and et cetera, et cetera. All of these were true. It's not like they're not true. They were true, right? Those weren't just whining or complaining. They were true. But by sitting in his room, he's like, no. I'll go through sadness. Let me figure out sadness. I'll go through pain. Let's figure out pain. I'll figure it out with you. I will remain constant with you. Because our relationship is not dependent upon the nature of my experiences. The nature of my experience show me something about you. My constancy helps me get to know you, right? It's like people who jump from job to job to job to job. You don't get to learn any particular expertise. If you left because somebody treated you badly, okay, well you lost the opportunity to learn social skills, right? You felt that they were asking you for too much, you lost the opportunity to learn time management skills. I'm I'm not trying to get secular, I'm trying to say that Constancy gives you that context to learn something, right? Saint Macarius, St. Macarius the Great, I, I'm sorry that I overused this story, it's because I think we don't appreciate how epic these men were, um, and, and many women, but Macarius obviously is a man. But in a modern context, we tend to just tell these stories and be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you imagine a priest, a priest being accused of impregnating a parishioner? That's what they did to Macarius, right? And Macarius could have said, Wow, Lord, I gave up my life for you. Here I am, priesting, right, in your name. I barely make a salary. They were not rich, okay? And on top of it, these people are saying, I fathered some random girl or child, right? And his response was, Okay, Macarius, get to work. You've got a child to feed. Right? He just picked up a job. He's like, okay. I remain constant. Part of my constancy means got to get a side job. Going to need to support this, this kid that's not even mine, that, well, it's mine. Because, Lord, if you want this to be mine, then it's mine. Right? And if he didn't remain constant, would Macarius become Macarius the Great? Right When Macarius becomes... Macarius is the epitome of the compassionate father. I mean, St. Anthony's a bit better, but Macarius is, 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 is up there, right? And so Macarius is known almost all his monastic stories are about him covering people's weaknesses, not exposing people, um, not judging, finding mercy, helping people deal with their problems. Why? His constancy through his own problems enabled him to help others with thirst his knowing what it feels like to be treated horribly made him have compassion for people who are treated horribly even when they're guilty not just when they're innocent even when they're guilty right and so his constancy gave him that now fast forward think about parents of troubled children right if you have a child who's who's troublesome for whatever reason a behavioral disorder an addiction Okay, now, if you are not constant, what does that do to you as a parent? Do you get to walk away and say, not your parent anymore? A parent doesn't know how to do it, right? Where they're like, they're my kid. I don't know what to do, right? It, it The constancy does something, and it can affect something. Specialists, if specialists don't do the same thing, whatever it is, Over and over and over and over and over. If they're not constant, they don't become experts. It's the constancy that gives them that expertise. The seeing it over and over and over and over gives them that fine eye to be like, I've seen this, I know this. Right? And it's only because of that. Who are you going to trust more? The person who's done 10,000 surgeries or the person who's done two? But if the person said, I'm going to walk away, I made my money, or I'm going to walk away, I'm bored, or I'm going to walk away, they were mean to me, they don't get that expertise, right? The constancy does something. Even get super secular, even your money, if you've invested something and you jump at every single thing that happens, that I'm not big on money, but I'm just trying to say that constancy is a big deal on every level, religiously, secularly, everywhere, constancy is a big deal. So... Things not to do when constancy is, is being challenged don't make the whole relationship ride on a particular event. Don't say ever, depending on how this goes, is going to determine the nature of my relationship. Because if that's what you're saying, it means your meaning is found not in the relationship, it's found in... An object right so don't don't let relationship hinge on um, responses and events and objects okay Um, number two don't make big decisions when something troublesome occurs that's not the right time to make the decision right when you're in the middle of a fight let's say between spouses, or between father and, and child, right? I, I, I Spouses is just easier because it's two adult minds. If the person says, well, I'm leaving right now, or I've made a decision, I will never speak to you again, or I made a decision, whenever you ask this, I'm never going to do this. That's the wrong time to make that decision, right? Because you're You are not in the right emotional state. The right thing to do is to remain constant and just say, I don't know how to deal with this yet. I'll remain constant. I'm not happy. I'm not going to pretend I'm happy. Um, I think that something wrong has occurred because probably something wrong has occurred, but I will remain constant. Same thing with God. I don't understand this. I don't know why it's happening. I might be misinformed. I might be doing something wrong. I don't know. And I would like the answer But I'm not walking away I'm staying here I'm just not happy right now there's nothing wrong with that right it gives you actually a stronger way of speaking to God Um, don't have sensitive conversations um, in those moments right so for example this is a unrelated example but it serves the point With Eucharist and COVID, etc. Some people are saying, oh, give communion in the hand. This is not about constancy. Okay, This is just to show when is the right time and a wrong time. There was a custom of the church at some point to do that. But if you make that decision in the middle of COVID, it has a different meaning. You're making a theological statement about what you think about Eucharist and about whether it can be contagious or not. Not the time to have that conversation. That conversation can happen, but not in that context. Right? So it would be like Um you're, you have a troubled part of your relationship and you constantly choose those times to talk about how you feel about your in laws, how you feel about um your your boss or whatever. But like that kind of thing was like it's not not the right time to to be approaching those things. Um, And it's not the time to bring up old baggage. Constancy, constancy, constancy. So I'm just going to end with one final saying that I've used before, but I think says something about us, but it's about constancy. Here's an elder saying this. This is an elder monk saying, we don't advance like spiritually or growth in our relationship because we don't know our capacity. And we don't have sufficient patience. This is the constancy part in the work that we begin. And we want to possess spiritual excellences without working for them. And we go from place to place and expect to find some spot where Satan is not. And when we see the temptation of Satan in the place that we are called to be, he who is constant, he who knows what the war is, will remain in God, will be constant in God. For the kingdom of heaven is within you. So he's saying, people don't excel because they want to be at level 10 without doing any work. And they want to just happen. And then when they see any trouble, any warfare, even Satan's work, they say, nope, not me walking away. I'm saying, that's why nobody's making it anywhere. But he who remains knows that the kingdom of God is with them, knows that my relationship is not over. Right? And knows that I can continue the work. We must work. Constancy means remaining, no matter what. No work, no progress, no salvation, said St. Anthony. And glory be to God forever. Amen. Any uh, questions, comments, or criticisms? I'll see if there's any that are written here. Uh, We're witnessing a tremendous amount of societal breakdown deceptively disguised as social justice in key areas. Academia, media, politics, culture. It's one thing to simply witness it and another thing for it to trickle down into your families, friends, and church communities. How does one have constancy, avoiding alienation, interior turmoil, and and jadedness when facing so many lies and so much deception? By remaining constant to the truth. Right, by knowing what is right and wrong to the best of your ability, right, so that you know when you know why you think something, this is why I'm obsessed with truth when when all you want is the truth, you're not afraid of anything, you're not affected by anything. It's just because everything just becomes so simple, right where um. Like, let's let's use, um, I don't want to get too into it because I know it's sensitive, but like, um, Black Lives Matter and the protests and and et cetera, right? So you have some people who are saying, your silence is deafening. How dare you not speak? Okay. And then you have another person saying, well, I don't do demonstrations. And then you have another person who says, well, I don't even know if I agree with it. Right so i'm not I'm not taking any stance right now, but I'm saying that if you don't know why objectively you believe what you do, when everyone starts yelling, you're gonna break down. But if you know why you do to the best of your ability and you are opening open to hearing the truth, you're gonna be calm and your calmness will help you to be constant right of saying. Um, you're calling me racist, on what basis do you get to call me that, if that's one of the accusations? Have I said something racist objectively or not? So if I have said, if I'm of the school, I don't protest. If I know why don't I protest, somebody might say, well, I don't protest because I don't join any particular cause because I want to be consistent. If I'm going to join one protest, I need to join them all. Another person might say, because I don't want to be affiliated with the violence. Another person might say, well, I need to be there because this is my way of expressing. I don't want to get into it. But my point is saying that if you know why you believe what you believe, you will have an answer when somebody comes to ask you. And so you'll be able to remain constant. But if you don't have some footing... You'll lose constancy because your constancy is built on a weak foundation. And so the minute someone shakes your foundation, it breaks down. And so you fall down. And what I'm saying is that if you want truth, even finding out your foundation is weak will be like, Oh, my foundation's weak. No problem. How do we fix it? You'll have that constancy. It won't shake you. It won't shake the relationship. It just it, it might shake your mood, right? And your mood is irrelevant to being constant, right? The disciples staying in the boat, frightened out of their minds by the storm, didn't take away from their constancy. They remained. They didn't walk away, right? Or, for example, forget the boat because they're in a boat. When people were... Um, um, criticizing and plotting to kill the Lord, and the disciples knew that, they weren't happy about that, and they were afraid. But they remained. So I'm saying that the mood is not the same. So if I'm misunderstanding your question, um, please follow up, because I might not have answered what you were trying to get at. Um, I think a certain change in mind is the key to constancy. So how can we change our minds in attaining constancy? What some practical steps? Um... By just that's I'm, I I I know I'm a broken record. Everything to me revolves around the truth. Everything, right? So what's the truth about God? What's the truth about me? What's the truth about the situation, right? That that once you that's your framing question. Your mind will fall in line. Right, because you won't you won't be you won't be worked up, right? So for example, um. Like we talked about earlier, that like all the examples that we gave, that's what I was trying to use as practical is saying, okay, I'm just going to keep doing it. I inevitably learn something because I kept doing it. Right? And so it's about just doing beyond the emotions. How do you avoid boredom and constancy, especially in the context of relationships with others and with God? Okay, because constancy doesn't mean sameness. Those are two different words. Okay, constancy means staying put. But there's going to be changes in your day. Some days are going to be the same, some days aren't. So, for example, you might be bored out of your mind of your sibling. But it's still your sibling. It didn't change. Right, and so the the boredom is almost irrelevant, and so the question of how can I spice it up, um, is a different question than the question of constancy, right? So there might be a question of how do I in my spiritual life acquire newness, right? To which I would say, it's by never stopping trying to learn and appreciate every single moment, right? So for example a couple that's in love, they're really lovey-dovey at the beginning and I think it's because it's new, right? There's a new emotion, there's a new event, there's a new thing going on. But eventually it doesn't become so thrilling because things become repetitive, right? That's irrelevant to the constancy. but. If I bring my mind to my partner regularly and say, hmm, that was an amazing reaction. She was so patient. Or, wow, he was, he was so wise with how he handled this situation. By bringing my mind to look at it, I might have these feelings of new events, right? Or these of, of new knowledge, right? But the goal in a relationship is not to have new events. New events are nice, they're helpful, they're interesting, they keep us going. But what I'm trying to get at is that the relationship is not the event. The events inform the relationship. Um, So boredom, I wouldn't worry about it too much, but what I would say is just keep trying to learn new things in all the different ways that we can learn. That can be reading, that can be talking, that can be joking, that can be singing, that can be hiking, that can be fishing. Right? That's how normal people get to know each other, by being with each other. So it's about about being. You can alleviate some of the boredom. And I would say that even in relationship, to me, one of the things that makes me more confident in young couples is whether or not they know how to be bored together. Because you're going to be bored together sometimes. that that's not a threat to your relationship where you might be completely bored out of your mind and so like irritable and not know what to do but you're still in a relationship it didn't end um so there are no deal breakers with god then like in a marriage sure someone can forget an anniversary i wouldn't say that's a deal breaker but then there are bigger things like cheating on the person that may understandably be a deal breaker because the relationship is based on love and trust and understanding. So in our relationship with God, what if something happens and it shakes us in the equivalent way cheating would on a marriage, what steps should we take to resolve it and get us through it? Ask what it means, right? Because even when in a couple, on a human level, we find it acceptable for somebody to end the relationship if someone cheats. But we're not saying you should. We're just saying you can, right? And so even there, constancy should be achieved. So when something happens with that with God, to me, because because of who I believe God to be, for, I think, objective reasons, to me, it becomes a question of understanding, right? Of why, why did I expect that this wouldn't happen, right? That's why, like, like, I'm usually nagging people being like, when people give the Sunday school answer about reading the Bible and praying, I'm like, and they say it laughingly. I'm like, no, nope, no, but seriously, do you? Right? Because if, if I don't know anything about God, which is many of us, because I'm not constant, right? That's why most people are like, yeah, I tried the Bible thing for a week or two and I was just so bored. Okay? Constancy. Okay, but if I'm constant reading the Bible, which I'm going to say in my own life, there have been periods where I was bored out of my mind reading the Bible, and there were times in my life where I was, like, so excited, it was like I was reading a thriller. But in remaining constant, right, it was it helped me find out things about God, where I know I overuse this example, I just think it's a really good one, right? When I When I was paying attention after, like, the, 15th reading of Genesis, right, where it says that Abraham was 86 when God said X, and then the next verse starts with, and Abraham was 99 when God then spoke. Here's somebody who talked to God a lot, and there's a 13-year gap in these conversations. So then when I start getting mad at God and say, why aren't you answering me? It's like, well, wait, what am I looking for? An audible voice from heaven? Every time I speak? But that's not how God is if I'm following who God is, right? That my constancy ends up teaching me something. So whenever an event happens, question where your understandings may be wrong because you're dealing with a living being, right? And so if I, for example, um, think that um, I can hit up a bunch of people in the room are, are from Kitchener. Um, if I can hit up a Buna and be like, hey, do you wanna meet up and play poker? And he'll be like, No, I, I don't. Right? And then I'm like, oh wow, what kind of father is that? Here's his son coming and saying, I wanna spend time with you, I wanna chill with you, I'm showing you that I like you, and you're like, No? Without a second thought, then I don't know Abuna. I don't know a Buna. <laughs> doesn't isn't isn't into that kind of chilling right Abuna is not gonna spend 40 minutes with me on the phone he might even forget to say goodbye before hanging up that's him okay and so it's 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 about recognizing that I have I might have a wrong understanding right of the person in front of me and if I apply it on them then I don't and that's why I'm saying constancy gives the context of learning because when that event happens that you're talking about when that event occurs, the constancy is what teaches me of being like, I was upset, I was so angry, but I remained, right? A very, very close friend of mine um, was going through a struggle. Um, I don't think he'll mind using his example, I'm not naming him and, and you guys wouldn't know who it is, but um, finding a job and he was upset. And understandably upset. There's all sorts of circumstances that made him ha- made having a job be very essential on a, on a whole bunch of levels. And he had his good days, he had his bad days. Um, somebody connected to that person is in the room right now, so that person knows what I'm talking about. It affected multiple people. But he rode through it. And everybody involved rode through it. And then he got a job in the most unlikely of times, in the middle of COVID, when everyone was being laid off, he was getting a job and getting a job that was legit. Why am I saying that? I am saying that the constancy in that situation, just a normal everyday person, right? This is not some monk at a monastery, okay? But the, the constancy of a normal person made that person develop their own experience to be like, oh, I thought that the silence meant this. I thought that my losing a job might have meant this. I thought when this event occurred that God was trying to do this. And I found out I was wrong. Actually, when it finally settled, when time did, because I remained constant, I didn't walk away, I found out what they actually may have meant. Right. So when those things happen, constancy gives us that Um that knowledge. Um, in the setting with self-denial, if you truly sacrifice your own will, are you then expected to not have emotions if things don't work out in your favor since you don't have a will? No, you're going to have emotions. Like as a human, you're going to have emotions. Um, I think what happens over time with constancy, with self-denial, and that's what I'm saying, if you want the truth, because the truth to me is a synonymous with light is synonymous with love, because to us all those things are are, are are a person, not an object. They're God, right? Then what ends up happening is that your feelings over time fall in line with truth. But we're all in varying degrees of getting to that point, right? And that's why it's not a big deal to me how people, how people feel. And I don't mean that in a mean way, right? In the sense that Um, like I might be annoyed till this day that I'm waking up early to go to church. I hate waking up early. Right. But it's, it's irrelevant to the fact that I woke up early. Right. I might want to eat. I might be devoted to living a healthy lifestyle and eat junk food and love it. Right. But how I feel about junk, junk food is irrelevant, um, to my choice, to my self-denial. Right? It just it might affect my mood about it, how hard it is, but it, it doesn't mean anything about about the relationship itself. right. What I think though that we do attain as we practice more um, is that we we become more happy about the right things. So our, our emotions tend to catch up with our will, um, but just that God's not gonna count it as less love that you weren't super duper excited when you did something right. Right? He's not going to be like, no, you weren't like doing cartwheels when I said, get up and follow me. And he's like, no, thank you for following me. right? And actually, even to the disciples, he was like, thank you. I recognize that you guys in following me are laying down family. I recognize that in following me, people are treating you like garbage. And just like they treat me like this. So he's, he's actually, I would almost say, even more appreciative that people do it in spite of their emotions um, because it shows the depth of their constancy even more when they didn't want to do it. Right. It's, it's, it's showing like, no, I really didn't want to go, but I'm here. Right. That's like I share for a whole bunch of us. Right. Where it's like, I don't want to go to Vespers. Right. Like I I would rather just chill. Right. Sometimes we'll be in the middle of doing something really fun as a group. That's not wrong. I was like, Oh man. And now we're going to this. Right. So, that, that's more related to last week's talk about being in a relationship, but um, that's that. Uh, who said the last quote? Um, it was an anonymous elder. Um, how can we get past guilt? Um, I think that's relating to the question earlier about people's expectations. Um, I, I'm, I'm sorry to sound like a broken record again. It comes back to truth. I should only feel guilty if I've done something wrong. And if I've done something wrong, I ought to feel guilty. Because I am. Right? And it's not guilty because the other party demands it of me. Right? It's guilty because I know that I'm guilty of something. Right? And I think people confuse guilt for shame. Shame is something else. Okay? But guilt is an objective, something that can be objectively determined. Is there something I ought to have done that I didn't? And is there something I ought not to have done that I did? I'm either guilty or I'm not. Right. And that's, that's to me, the easiest way to get out of those. I am easily guilted and I easily feel ashamed of things. Right? But the, the, the key is to come back and say, Can I say with sincerity that I'm doing all that I can to do the right thing? If yes, okay, good. Um, and I would also say don't allow other people to rule over you. That can help a lot with guilt. Right? Because the gospel is saying to lay down your will voluntarily voluntarily okay that you are saying yes I will give up my will and so if everybody around you starts yelling at you for what they think they should you should do you don't owe the person you owe the truth right so don't let people tell you how they're supposed to be because people are very hypocritical with that right where They'll walk around saying, people shouldn't tell me what to do. I can think for myself. This is my truth. I'm my own being. Blah, 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 blah. Meanwhile, they turn around at other people and say, you should insert whatever here. So objectively, when somebody comes up to you and says, you should, ask the question of, should I? Right? Switch it back to objective truth. If the answer is yes, then they're right. Then you should. If the answer is no, no then thank you for your advice to me and what you think I should do. I am unable to do so at this time. And be a broken record. Right? And if somebody's trying to put words in your mouth, be a broken record about what you are or aren't saying. Right? Like, don't don't engage in stupid conversations because there's a lot of them. Right? So keep it objective and you will have so much more peace. But once... We get into subjective debates. You'll go round and round and round and round in circles. And then you're going to feel awful. And you will feel guilty because the person got upset. And then you're going to feel guilty that you upset them. And guilty that you didn't make them feel in a certain way. Blah, blah, blah. It'll go on and on and on. Bring it back to truth. Um, Speaking of getting to truth, the next question is how do we objectively identify the truth about ourselves? Um, without going overboard. For example, in the context of something like self-accusing, how do we self-accuse without taking it to an extreme where it turns into an unhealthy perception of self or even leading to our despair? Um, a person will end up with negative feelings or despair when they mix truth with evaluation. So, For example, um, if I know that I have a wound, I can objectively identify that I have a wound. That's what I'm talking about with objectively knowing something about the self. Where a person might feel guilt or shame is when it goes a step further to then say, and therefore I'm a disgusting, sick individual that's that's a different activity right one is just saying i am wounded another is saying i'm bad because i have a wound it's to make that line to stop before the evaluation of just saying i have arrogance right objectively i have arrogance but it does is different from saying and therefore who am i scum of the earth who ought not to breathe and and etc that that's when it, it moves on to like Something that's not that's not healthy. Um, how do you remain constant in a world that is constantly changing? Uh, for example, COVID to protest to whatever comes next. Along with the fact that there are changes going on in your own life, engaged to married, newlyweds to parents, grad school to career. Actually, that question is the whole point of this talk. And I'm not saying that sarcastically, right? That's the whole point of saying by just being in it, just riding it. Figuring it out by going through time—that's what makes the best relationships. That's why at the very beginning I'm like, "Don't, don't. No one's just there evaluating, right? It's just the new events. They just change circumstances. That's all. Spouse had to go away for a conference. We're not doing family dinner. We're doing Skype time. Still, we're still family. That didn't change, right?" Somebody went away for grad school? Okay, I guess we're calling more and emailing more and texting more than when we lived in the same house. No problem. Still father, son, son, daughter, daughter, mom. Nothing changed, still there. The environment changed, the relationship did not change. Constancy is exactly that, to just continue. Um, how do you overcome despondency while maintaining constancy. It depends on what the despondency is about, right? And that's why I'm saying compare this to your known relationships, right? Like, think about your friends. Do you become despondent about your relationship with your friends if you don't laugh with each other every day? I, I doubt it, right? Despondency usually comes out of isolation, actually. That's what Evagrius says. Um, and so whether it's a physical isolation or a mental cognitive psychological isolation, but that's often where despondency will come from. And so actually constancy would be one of the solutions to despondency. Whereas constancy shouldn't cause despondency if we're going to diagnose. Um, If you sometimes feel bored in prayer or reading the Bible where it feels like a task, can that be disrespectful to God or when can it be disrespectful? Yeah, it can be disrespectful to God Um, if it's because um, you're only self-satisfying. There are boredoms that are not insulting, right? There are are boredoms that are just natural. Right, That's why I was saying earlier, you can be in a relationship and be bored together. No problem. But if boredom is because I want every activity to be directed at myself, and so when it's not about me, I'm bored, that's when it's disrespectful to whoever, whether it's God or your friend or your family or your spouse or your, your significant other. Um, all of that... Um, can 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 contribute to it but if you're bored just like for example i don't know if my parents are watching right now because apparently they watch um i'm sorry mom and dad but i mean there were some family dinners where i was was bored out of my mind right sometimes because i'm self-seeking and sometimes it's not in the mood no problem i still had family dinner i still went i'm sure that there are probably days where my parents probably couldn't stand hearing about my day they listened anyway Right? Like, it's not just from me towards them. I'm sure that there are days where probably I was intolerable and boring, right? For my, my I'll, I'll, I'll give an, ex- an example. Um, when, when my disease was like a main thing trying to figure out in my life, oh my lord, all I'd ever talk about was my disease. I went from not talking about it at all to this is all I'm going to talk about. I have no doubt that many people who are close to me were probably bored out of their minds. With the same conversation over and over and over right but they remained right and so if your boredom is because of your your yourself okay um then that needs to be diagnosed but if it's just normal life no big deal right um i would say speak to your father confession but that's me um, and so uh, we, <laughs> we can get in the nitty gritty eventually. Yes, you made a sermon, you know who you are. Um, how can we get, uh, wait, we did that one. Um, uh, in other words, oh, related to the same question about prayer, can too much constancy, where it becomes boring to, um, too often be disrespectful to God. No, because that's a different kind of constancy or consistency that you're talking about. Um, You're talking about the consistency of a task. And I'm talking about constancy of presence. I don't mean to be philosophical, but they're two different things. So within your relationship, so the person asking, I know you're in a relationship, okay? So imagine if you were committed to, we're gonna play tennis every day. Yeah, that can get really boring. Okay, but is different from saying I will remain constant to this relationship. There are two different kinds of constancies. I'm talking about relationship. I'm not talking about the task. There are tasks that are involved in a relationship that may need to be constant, like communicating. But that can have different forms. So there will always need to be communication. But will the communication need to look the exact same every day? Not necessarily. Not necessarily. That's a, that's a great question. I'm glad you asked it um, because I didn't realize that those two could be um, confused. So thank you for, for pointing that out. Um, and the last question I received is, what if you are constant in things you want not to be? That's a cool question. For example, a particular career or pursuit. I know this is a case-by-case basis, but what about signs or clues would you use to figure it in that case? Um, again, again, to be a broken record, by pursuit of truth. If my question that governs everything is a question of, of identity, and a question of identity is by its own nature a question of relationship, right? So let me reframe it. I, like What I mean is image and likeness of God, of being a son or daughter of God, but let's reframe it. If I ask always, how do I as a married person approach, I'm not a married person, but this situation. By thinking in the context of relationship and asking that question first objectively, I'm not going to land very often being constant in something wrong because I'm always asking. And so then if I'm looking for truth, I'm going to also always going to be objectively looking at what's going on. Because if I'm thinking about a relationship, I will be saying things like, oh, this job that I took with good intentions didn't appear to contradict anything um, about our relationship, so it was fine, no problem. But I've discovered that I don't get to talk to my spouse anymore. Now, objectively, I need to be paying attention to then does this job continue to make sense, right? That if I'm paying attention and I'm looking for truth, things are going to automatically trigger the question marks all the time, right? Of what do these things mean? Word. Um, no problem, Levi. It's nice to have you, man. Um, nice to meet you. And thanks for your, your message earlier. Um, keep me in your prayers. All right, guys. That was it for questions. So we'll pray in Bizounce. Um, and most likely next week will be q and I'm going to try and have Q&A, like specific Q&A, um, once a month and then the other three weeks to be um, topics. So I've been loosely trying to follow, and it's not set in stone like per month, one Q and A, one spiritual topic, one um, because of the survey results, everybody was equally wanted everything. So, um, uh, one uh, tradition slash doctrine type topic, um, and then one that's more of a of a of a saint or or a biblical thing. Um, so I'm hoping that that works out. All right, let's pray our Father, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One God. Amen. Lord, hear us. When we pray then we in the intercession of Holy Mother Theotoko, Saint Mary, Saint Anthony. Saint Pope Carlos and Mary Mina, when we pray with all thanksgiving, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us, and lead us not to temptation. But listen from the evil one in Christ, Jesus our Lord. the thine is the kingdom of the power and glory forever. Amen. <laughs> Go in peace. <laughs> the peace of the Lord be with you all. Later, homies, Deuces.